so good to be with you guys here today, and let's give it up for the need-to-know people. Yeah. Woo. Creativity is one of our values, and we just see that in so many ways. We sure appreciate them. And I want to welcome you into a new series today that we're launching this morning, and we're going to get into the scriptures, so you can turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 61, that's Old Testament, and then as well, put a marker in Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 10 in the New Testament, and those will be our main passages here this morning. You know, there's so many amazing things God is doing in our church, it's hard to share with you all of them, but let me just update you on what he did last weekend at Holy Spirit Encounter right here. We had just under 150 people with us from all over Alberta, uh, all kinds of people driving in from all kinds of places. It was awesome. I think it was one of the most impactful events uh, that we've ever hosted. And uh, at the end of the session uh, on Sunday afternoon, I always ask people to respond and uh, to stand up if God has touched them in a certain way. So here's what happened at the very last session. I said, stand up if you have been physically healed on this weekend. 14 people stood up. Is that not awesome? Praise God for that. Yeah. 14 people stood up for that. And then 36 people stood up to say, I have been touched and filled by the Holy Spirit this weekend. They have met God in a powerful way through his presence. And then this one, 74 people stood up to say, I have been set free from some of the enemy's tactics and lies and strongholds in my life. 76 people. Let's praise God for that. That's just incredible. Wow. Amen. Jesus did it, and only he can. Now, you might remember a few weeks ago that we shared with you that as a church, we've moved to a, a new reality in which we have defined our vision uh, with a new statement that kind of conveys uh, why we exist as a church. And uh, I want to share with you what that statement is. It's this. It's releasing the kingdom of heaven on earth. And uh, so this series is all about unpacking that statement and, and stepping into the reality of what that means for us uh, as, as a people. And so we're launching today this series called Heaven on Earth to kind of allow us to paint the picture of the vision of our church. And God, I think, has given us an incredible vision as his people. And we're excited about how it's shaping us already and what it's taking us into. So releasing the kingdom of heaven on earth, that is our vision that's who we are, that's our destiny, that's who we are becoming, that's important to us, that's what we're believing God for. And in this first message this morning, I want to take us into a couple of passages that show us how we can release the kingdom of heaven on earth. So I want to read from Isaiah chapter 61, and you can turn there if you follow along on the screen, this amazing passage I've got it so highlighted in my Bible I can hardly read it. So um, let me share it with you. It goes like this. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities 
that have been devastated for generations. And we'll stop reading in Isaiah there. Let's go over to Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, is what we have here in the account of Jesus and his 12 is the fulfillment, one of the fulfillments of Isaiah chapter 61, the releasing of the kingdom of heaven. Verse 1, it says, When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, Take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, Leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news, and note this, healing people everywhere. Turn over one more page to Luke chapter 10, just a couple more verses. Verse 1, we see this incredible vision expanding from the 12, now a group of 72 others. It says, after this... The Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Down to verse 9. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. These are monumental passages in the Bible. And I've shared the Old Testament version of the New Testament one so that you can see how they actually merge together. They're talking really about the same thing. And Jesus is really inaugurating here something really special for all of us to step into. And it's not something just historical as if, you know, a couple thousand years ago a few people got this straight and they were able to release the kingdom of heaven on earth. It's something that can happen in our generation and it is happening and it ought to happen. So we're going to get deeply into this truth today, friends, and I think this could be for some of us perhaps, I don't know, maybe one of the most paradigm-changing messages. So if you're a real thinker, I want you to think with me. If you're a real feeler, I want you to feel with me. Uh, If you're a real toucher, I want you to touch this reality with me. I want you to sense with me the kind of people that we are to become, because our vision is that we're all about releasing the kingdom of heaven on earth. So i got to ask you then as we begin this, are you ready to release the kingdom of heaven through your life? Are you ready for that? In all of the incredible moments that that will bring to you, did you know that there's a need for us to do that? I want to tell you about a young woman named Amy Bluewell who was suffering with addiction and mental illness and self-harm and suicidal thoughts and she was struggling after her father had committed suicide when she was only 18 years of age. She wanted to honor her father's memory, so she got a tattoo put on her arm, and it's of a semicolon. How many of you have seen the semicolon tattoo? You're standing beside someone in a coffee shop, and you you look, and you see kind of a semicolon on their body. The purpose of the semicolon is to make a statement. It came from a faith-based nonprofit organization that helps people through times of depression and suicide and self-injury. And the tattoo speaks volumes to people's lives. The significance of it is that it's, it's really using the language of an author and them looking at the story of their life and saying, I wanted my story to come to an end, and I was going to end it, but I decided just to pause, 
and I've moved on. It's a testimony to people who've worked through that feeling that there's no purpose to their life, that there's nothing to live for, that there's no real reason to their existence. I have a friend in Edmonton who was a pastor, and his 15-year-old daughter came up to him recently and said, Dad and Mom, I want to get a semicolon tattoo because I want my life to go on. When we're talking about releasing the kingdom of heaven on earth, there are high stakes involved. There are all kinds of people sitting in houses here in our city this morning who, if they were really honest about their own soul, they would say, I don't really know why I should live. I don't have a purpose. I don't have a future to look forward to. I'm just living week by week, moment to moment, and I don't know anything about the kingdom of heaven. But there's more to life than ending life. The cure for a soul that's empty and hollow is not to end existence, but to step into a new existence. For those who are trying to get wasted so that they can block out the voices screaming in their minds saying life is not worth it, there's something more to live for besides getting wasted. The great need of all of our lives is to enter into the kingdom of God. It all starts with us entering into that kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is, is not far away. It's something that we can all step into if we've never entered into it. And I think that we have to answer the question deeply in our own soul. Are we really ready for such a kingdom? Are we ready for that kingdom to be released through our lives so that we can reach out to the Amy's of this world and offer them hope and a new beginning? Jesus taught clearly about the kingdom of heaven. And when he was talking about it, he wasn't talking about going to heaven, which I hope we're all looking forward to one day, being with God in the heavenly of heavenlies place and, uh, and enjoying the fullness of his presence. We're looking forward to that. But when we're talking about the kingdom of heaven advancing in this world, we're not talking about the ultimate heavens. We're talking about the, the rule and reign of God here on earth. We're talking about where his presence dwells. We're talking about where his divine activity is advancing. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is near. It's open to people. It can be entered into by the new birth. You can see the kingdom of God once you've been spiritually reborn by God's presence. The kingdom of, of heaven is advancing and forceful people will find their way into it. Jesus said that in Matthew 11 verse 12. And the kingdom of heaven shows up or manifests wherever there are things like this, the proclaiming of the gospel of Jesus the performing of miracles in his name, signs and wonders that point to his presence in his people. All of those things remind us that God is advancing in his kingdom. In Romans 14, 17, it says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So it's not just a physical reality. It's greater than that and takes over all of our human existence as we respond to it. So wherever the activity of the Holy Spirit is, friends, that's where the kingdom is advancing. If you sense God when you're worshiping, the kingdom of heaven is upon you. If you hear God's voice during a, a talk like this, the kingdom of heaven is advancing. When you feel the closeness of the Lord's presence in communion or when you're praying to him, then the kingdom of heaven has come near to your life. It's not far away. And so as you go out into the real world, you carry the presence of the King of Kings himself 
you're a representative of his kingdom. And I ask you, are you ready to release that kingdom for the sake of others? You might say, well, I want that. I need that. I'm curious about it. How can I step into that reality of releasing the kingdom of heaven on earth? Well, we're going to look at that in our two passages here. And let's just begin by realizing this. When it comes to releasing the kingdom of heaven on earth, we're going to need a new capacity. We're going to need some new strength to do that. And God provides something for us. It's called an anointing. Are you ready to receive your anointing? Are you ready to take it into your life? Accept it and let it change you. Isaiah 61 verse 1, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me. And that word anointing comes out of the Old Testament. It's the idea of setting apart for sacred service. At least anoint the priests and pour oil over their heads. Literally it means to smear. It reminds me when I was a kid and sometimes I'd get a cold in my chest and my mother would get up the Vicks VapoRub. She'd get that big jar. Back then it was a glass jar. And she'd dip her hands in it, and she would open my flannel pajama shirt, and she would rub her hands. And I just loved it because I loved the touch of my mom. She would rub that vapor rub right into my chest. And then she'd button up my shirt and kiss me goodnight, and, and that stuff would work on me. The heat would penetrate to the inside, right? That's a picture of smearing, to be covered with the spirit. So you get kind of sticky, I guess, you know? And people notice it. We're to be anointed with the Spirit. And uh, this is something that took place even in the life of Isaiah. He fulfilled this prophecy. He's speaking in the first person. So we know it had an immediate fulfillment in his day. He's saying, hey, uh, I'm an anointed messenger here in Israel. Uh, And then as well, it was ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. In Luke chapter 4, it tells us he went into his home church in the Nazarene synagogue He read out the passage in Isaiah 61, and then he said, hey, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, and he sent me to proclaim good news to the poor. So Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment. But then the 12 apostles fulfilled it. They were anointed by the spirit. Then the 72 got it, and the whole early church went out consistently with this vision to release the kingdom of heaven on earth. And then one day we know that Israel will be restored to fulfill this in the last of the last days. But I want to say to you, this is not something just left for the realm of history. This is our vision. This is what we're called into. Nothing less than releasing the kingdom of heaven on earth. And that touches on the will of God for our lives. And we might need to ask, what is the will of God for my life? How do I intersect this vision? What's my role in it? There's a pastor who sometimes gets asked the question, how do I know what the will of God is for my life? And the people in the church ask him that, and he says, I know what the will of God is for your life. And they say, well, what is it? And he says, well, it's to heal the sick and cleanse the lepers and cast out demons and raise the dead and preach good news. And then they say, well, um, but I'm single, so... Should I do that or get married? And he says, well, pick one. You can be single or married. That's up to you. And then heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, preach good news. And then the people usually say, 
yeah, but um, should I be a school teacher or a missionary, an international worker? And he says, well, just pick one. And then heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, preach good news. You get the point? We are not defined by our careers. We are defined by our calling. And we're all called. We're all called into the kingdom. Everybody. So yeah, you have a career, and hopefully that matches your passions and your desires and your gifts, but we're not defined by that. We're not defined by our jobs because they come and go and they change over time, but we are defined by our calling as men and women who release the kingdom of heaven on earth. This is who we are. So you don't have to get on staff in a church to do this. Aren't you glad? You are so glad for that. I know that. (laughs) This is for business leaders. Hear me out, business people. You have great opportunity to release the kingdom of heaven on earth. You'll be able to touch people that most of us pastors will never get to meet in our lifetime. Often. This is for nurses. This is for medical people. For EMS and paramedics and doctors. This is for school teachers. This is for athletes and radio announcers and grandparents and teenagers. It's about releasing the kingdom of heaven on earth wherever you go, whatever you're doing. It's all part of our great calling. And we need an anointing in order to do that because the anointing enables us to fulfill the assignment. How many of you know this? I'm just curious. Do you know that there's actual works that God has prepared for you to do? It tells us that in the Bible in Ephesians 2.10, that they're set apart for us to do. Works. What kind of works? These kinds of works. Being involved in seeing people's lives changed for the glory of God. Bringing people into the kingdom. Loving them in Jesus' name. Bearing testimony of the power of Jesus' resurrection, which we're going to celebrate big time here at Easter. God has set some works apart for you to do. They, they got your name on it. They're kind of like waiting there. And I try to picture, you know, angels in heaven, and they go into the storehouse and they go, hey, Lord, there's a whole lot of works here that are not yet done. And maybe Jesus says, yep, we're kind of aware of that, and we're asking the Holy Spirit to speak to some people down there because those works are still waiting to be done. And so when you come to services like this or you listen to a message online or whatever you do, it might be that God is saying to you, let's get at those works. Let's get at them. Let's embrace them. Let's take them on because you have an anointing to do them. 1 John 2.20 says, you have an anointing from the Holy One. This is far beyond human capacity. If you're like me, I would get very afraid of doing this in my own strength. I would fall down. I would faint. I would give up. But God gives us the anointing of his presence. It's like living in his presence, right? When we live in his presence, all kinds of kingdom things start to happen. So, you know, we've been on a journey as a church now for four years in this direction, and we're learning our way into that biblical reality. And in my own life, I've been making changes and adjustments. Like, I I have to. I have to keep in step with what God is doing. So here's something I've done, started about nine months ago. I thought, I need to be more conscious of the presence of God in my life. And so here's what I started doing, that at night, when I shut out the light, my last conscious thought before I fall asleep, my last thought is a prayer 
that I would live in the presence of God. And I quote Psalm 89, verses 15 and 16, to walk in the light of his presence. And I go to sleep. So I sleep through that. And then as soon as I wake up, as soon as I'm conscious, which I can't tell when I am, it takes me a while. Uh, As soon as I'm conscious, I do the same thing. I say, Father, I want to be aware of your presence. I want to live in the light of your presence right now. I'm, I'm ending and starting my day with that. And I'm finding in these last nine months, it has tuned me in in a way I never imagined to a sensitivity and an awareness to his presence in and around my life that I never saw before. It's just where I need to grow. I don't know what you do to stay aware and fully um, realize your anointing, but I'm sure God will show you what you can do. Are you ready to release the kingdom of heaven through your life? Are you getting under the covering of his presence? The spirit is to come on us, it says in Isaiah 61. He's already in us as believers, but he also needs to come upon us. Here's the next question. Are you ready for your releasing? I want to let you know in a secret, we've all been released. (laughs) Somebody should write a song about that. We are released as sent people to live out a mission, and it's called the mission of God. And when we're living out of that reality, when we see ourselves not as a staying people, but as a going people, then life starts to get very exciting. I think most of you know what it's like to live as a sent person, right? Some of you, you might, in your work, you have a boss who says, hey, I need you to go up north for two weeks and take care of some things. They're kind of wacky. Go fix them and come back down here and let me know how it's going. You're sent, right? Or if you work in law enforcement, you've got an authority structure in your work and you understand that when those above you say certain things, Things on the ground have to happen. It's the way authority works. And so you're often sent to certain districts or places or situations. You can't just say to your boss, well, you know, I don't know about that. I I don't really feel sent today. Right? It's not going to be good. Your boss is going to say, it's not really up to you. It's part of the arrangement we have. I'm sending you. Go. So we get that in the real world. But do we get it in the really real world, the real reality of the kingdom of heaven? Because it's just as real. It's more real. We're a sent people. And sometimes, you know, when God is trying to send us somewhere, if you're like me, I resist. I slow it down. I'm like, well, I don't know if I should really act on that, so maybe I'll just wait and see if it goes away, that prompting, right? This happened to me in January, um, I had some days off right after Christmas, some vacation time to use up, and so I took a few days off, and, you know, it's 25 below. What do you do in Airdrie when it's 25 below and you're on vacation? You leave, right? So what are your choices, Red Deer or Calgary? Okay. All right, I'll go to Calgary. It's a little closer. So I thought, I'll make a day of retreat out of this. So I go to Calgary, and I go sit in a beautiful building with an atrium, with a skylight, and and I got my journal and my Bible. I'm just hanging out there with God. I'm taking four hours or so, and I'm just going to soak in God's presence. I'm studying the scriptures. I'm writing out prayers. I sense God upon me in this building. I'm like, Father, this is so awesome. And there's sunlight, because I need sunlight in January. And I'm just sensing God's goodness over me, and I'm thinking, this is going to be a great four hours. And then the Lord says to me, I want you to go somewhere. And I'm like, what's that? 
He said, I want you to go to the hospital. I'm like, I'm, I'm journaling to you. This is me and you time. This is intimacy time. And it's like God might be saying, yeah, I appreciate that, but I'm sending you to the hospital this afternoon. And I shared the story at the encounter last week. And so, you know, I, I kind of wrestled with God there for a moment. And then he said to me, you need to go and you need to pray for your friend who's recovering out of surgery this afternoon, and you need to go now. But okay, so I close my journal up, pack up things, and I head to the parkade, drive my car to the hospital, go in, and I meet my friend. And she had gone through a terrible night, terrible night, racked with pain, unbelievable pain. They got the medicines wrong for her, and pain management wasn't great. And God told me to go and pray over her and rebuke a spirit that was interfering with her recovery. He, he did. And some of you guys were there when that happened. And I did that in Jesus' name, and the atmosphere shifted. She was supposed to be in the hospital for four or five more days. She got out next morning. Big turnaround, right? There's a sending that happens, and we've got to pay attention to that. Sometimes we don't always clue into the voice of the Lord, and we're like, oh, it couldn't be me that you're sending. But that voice, you know how that voice sounds, right? It just keeps coming to you. And you realize God wants us to respond. He wants us to be released. He wants us to be involved in the ministry of touching other people's lives. Some of you this week, guess what? You're going to see appointments that God sets up for you. And it might not fit your schedule. So if you're into like real control on your schedule... Um, God's going to work on you. <laughs> He's going to work on you. He's going to show you that ultimately his agenda is better than yours. And it leads to more amazing moments when the kingdom of heaven is released through your life. So, we are released also to proclaim. Talks about that verse here in Isaiah that we're to proclaim good news to the poor. And the poor are not just those people who you know, are economically stressed out. Uh, The biblical meaning of the word poor here means this, anyone in deep trouble. Now, I think that's probably half of us, right? Anyone in deep trouble, we, we qualify as biblically poor. And I think this phrase shows up in James somewhere. Are you in trouble? Call the elders of the church. Let them pray over you. Because there's a spiritual reality to it. It's for anyone in deep trouble. We're to proclaim news to the poor. These people that are working through difficult circumstances. And most of the time, these events that have taken place in their life are the result of their own choices. And they feel some shame and some condemnation about it. You are sent to proclaim to them. Not condemnation. Not, oh, (laughs) wow, did you ever get what you deserved? No, You don't proclaim condemnation. You proclaim invitation. Come into the kingdom. Your father has something for you. He's got a release for you. He's got some healing for you. He's got some strength for you. And I think all of us should know this, that we're all called to proclaim. There's a big, big preaching team at Airdrie Alliance Church, and it's the whole body. Some of us need to focus on doing that on a regular basis, our staff and I. But all of you are on the preaching team. In fact, when this service is over, we release you to go out and preach, to proclaim with your lives and your words the reality of the kingdom of heaven on earth. How do I do that? You do it when you sit down 
with a friend over a cup of coffee and you say, hey, you know what? God really loves you and he wants to take that burden off of your life. Jesus has made a way for you to let go of that. You're proclaiming when you do that. When you're at the workout place, the fitness center, and you've developed a friendship with someone there and they ask you, you know, like, do you have any understanding of God and, and how do you know God and how did you come to know God? You get to proclaim the kingdom of heaven to them. It happens in so many amazing places. So you don't have to do that loudly, right? You don't have to preach at them. You just have a conversation. And in that conversation, you proclaim. You take a risk of faith and you say, you know what? If I've earned any respect from you, I ask you to receive this. There's a God who loves you, who made you. And he sent his son into this world to die for you. Jesus is his name. And I have found him to be a great savior. Would you like to meet him? That's proclaiming. You don't even have to be in the mood to do proclaiming. God will take you even when you're not at your best. Words will come out of you that will shape people's destinies and you won't find out till later. And sometimes God really surprises us how fast he works, right? He just sets it up so nicely. A while ago, probably a decade ago, I got a phone call here and um, the receptionist gave me a note, said, lady from Calgary phoned for you, uh, wants you to go and visit her father in the hospital and uh, pray with him. So I phoned up this lady. She doesn't attend our church. She lives in Calgary. She's Chinese, and her father's an elderly Chinese man. And the woman said to me on the phone, um, I'm, I'm sort of new at this, but I heard that you Alliance pastors know how to get people to heaven. <laughs> I said, well, we're involved um, there's a few things we can try. We can't save anybody. Only Jesus does. She said, I heard that too. Can you save my dad? And I'm like, no, Jesus can save your dad, but I can be involved in this. She said, well, can you visit him? I said, sure. So the next day I drive into the hospital and I, I go up in the ward where this old Chinese gentleman is. He's all alone in a room. And uh, I had a really packed day. I did not have much margin or time. And I, I whispered that to the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't, you know my day. There's other things going on that are really pressing and uh, I felt the Lord's assurance he's going to take care of it. I go into the room. I see the guy. He's all alone. He's barely awake. I say, sir, I introduce myself. I said, your daughter has asked me to come and talk to you about God and heaven. I just went straight for it. No preliminaries. I said, do you know who Jesus is? He goes, no. I said, have you ever been to church? No. And uh, I didn't ask him what his beliefs were. I thought that's going to be futile. I said, Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the God who made the universe and made you. He came into this world and died on a cross for your sins. All the things that you've done that are wrong. He took it upon himself, paid that price, died and then was buried and then rose from the grave and ascended to heaven. And he offers you forgiveness of your sins so that you can live with God forever. I said, would you like to receive this? He said, yes. I said, you're sure, because you have to repent of your sins. Yes. So I led him in the prayer that we pray often here almost every Sunday. Oh, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe you're the Son of God. Come into my life. And Christ came into his life that day. Changed him. This elderly, old, Chinese man on his last hours comes into the kingdom of God, is born of the Spirit, his name gets written in the book of life, and I'll meet him properly one day. That's God. God sets us up for those things. 
It wasn't hard. It wasn't complicated. It just required a get in your car and go drive there and do this. We're going to have appointments like that, aren't we? Some of you are going to have moments when God says, your friend at work is ready now. Go talk to them today. Go talk now. You feel that nudge, right? You sense it and you go and a kingdom conversation takes place. Some people get all bent out of shape about deathbed conversions as if God is being cheated out of his honor. And I go, do you not read the Bible? Do you know how big grace is? Do you know how immense the grace of God is? That yes, even in the last moment of a person's life, if they turn to the Lord, he will abundantly pardon them and rescue them through the, through the work of his son Jesus. Jesus died for all the sins of the world. Even the resistance of people up till their final days. And wasn't there a story in the Bible on this? When Jesus was crucified, wasn't there another guy who was being crucified beside him? A robber, a thief? And he's in a really tough spot. He's not coming down from that cross. And he turns to Jesus and he says, Lord, remember me when you go to your kingdom. That's all he said. I don't have all the theology figured out, but I think it's about you. Remember me. When you go to your kingdom, and if you remember me, take me there, I think he's saying. And Jesus said, today, you will be with me in paradise. Oh, I love that. Today, you're going to step into paradise with me. Hang in there as we hang together. Wow, the grace of God is so powerful. He sends us out to proclaim it. And by the way, we're not just to preach good news. We are to become good news. How many of you have met people who preach really eloquently, but their lives stink? Right? There's no matchup here. Well, if you want that anointing, if you want to be released, if you want to see God do amazing activities in your life, you've got to be in sync with his character development program in your life. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. So shine. That's what lights do. They just shine you know, they don't have to try to shine. They just shine, right? I think we should be like those flashlights I see on TV. You know those really cool military ones that trucks drive over and they drop in boiling water and, right? They're just, they got these LED and they just shine like, you know, thousands of yards and they never break and they never wear out. That's us, right? Our aluminums should be radiating out of us all the time. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine. And then we're released to also heal people. For real. It's talking about that there. The language of healing is all over Isaiah chapter 61. We bind up or we bandage the brokenhearted. There's a healing need in people's lives. All of us have been broken by sin's effect upon us. And there's different degrees of healing that need to take place for different people, but all of us qualify for the healing of Jesus. That's why when he died on the cross, Jesus not only made a payment for our sins, but he also made a payment for our sicknesses and diseases. That's in Isaiah 53. We're to be involved in the healing of people. We're on the healing team. And I dream of a day when all of us, even the children, and, and everyone else will be able to put their hands on people and pray for the sick, and they will be healed. Not because of our power, but because of his. And so we have to train our way into this and learn about this 
from the children's ministry to the youth and all the way up into all levels of the church, we are the healing team. We are. Well, getting there might take some unique experiences. Here's something that I'm learning. You can only give to others what you have access to yourself. Sometimes we pray for people and they don't get healed. There may be reasons for that. God knows them all. Sometimes it's because we ourselves are not walking in the access and claiming those things which are ours to step into. We have to access the authority of Jesus that's given to us and receive that anointing of power that he wants to put upon us, and we need to step into those things. And then we're released to set others free. I don't know if you know this, but on January 1st, 1863, the great president, Abraham Lincoln, sent out something called the Emancipation Proclamation, saying all slaves are now to be freed. All of them. And some were. Many were not. And here we are 150 years later, past that moment, and there are many people that are still living in the shadow of slavery. And they're not walking in the freedom that they can really have. We proclaim and announce freedom for captives and release from prisoners from their incarceration. Captives are those people who've had something done to them. It's not their fault. They were wounded. They were hurt. They were oppressed. And prisoners are those who, through wrong choices, have brought upon themselves certain consequences of life. And they're in their own self-made prison. I think that we have to proclaim to people that Jesus wants to unlock the prison door. We need to proclaim to people that he's setting captives free. Some of this might be your own story. You might be here today and say, well, I am a believer, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm still living like I'm in a prison cell. (laughs) Or I'm a captive, and I'm gripped by fear, which is rooted in some wounds in my life from these experiences that I've gone through. I get that. I've been there. That's why I invite you to step into your own freedom first so that you can lead others into it also. Jesus wants to set some of us free from a prison cell today. He wants to take the chains on your wrists and unlock them so you can just throw them down and say, done. I'm going to walk in freedom today. Amen? I'm going to walk in my freedom today. This is something Jesus has made possible for me, and I don't want to waste it. I want it to be mine. Are you ready to release the kingdom of heaven through your life? And then also we're released to bring comfort and relief to people who grieve in Zion. I read that verse this week, and I thought, who grieves in Zion? Zion is a happy place. Zion is that, that, that image of God dwelling upon his people where they are worshiping him. How can anyone grieve in Zion? That should be a place of great celebration and joy. Well, I think that those who grieve in Zion are those people in the churches who agonize over the anemic state of the church in their generation. They're saying, oh God, it shouldn't be this way. We should be more surrendered to you. We should be seeing the kingdom advance through our lives. Oh God, have mercy upon us. And they're the great revival intercessors. Prior to any great awakening that has happened on our planet, it was always preceded by people who grieved in Zion, who prayed their guts out 
so that the renewal movement of God would happen in their life. And they begged God for the visitation of his spirit. They were grieving and mourning for the state of the church until God changed the church. I sense we've been in that state for a while. We're not quite done that yet. There's still some intercession to precede everything. A lot of it has to happen before we can even go to the next level. But I invite you to be a person who presses into the Lord and asks him for more. Something that I think is really beautiful about the kingdom of heaven is this thing called joy. You know, whenever you see the kingdom advancing, there should be joy in the people, right? Because the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So joy should go with the advance of the kingdom of heaven. And it makes me think about what I do to stay happy. I got a few things I do to stay happy. You want to know what they are? I walk my dog when it's not windy. It's about four times a year. I like a really good cup of coffee made slowly and, and strong in flavor, preferably French roast. I like a really thick newspaper from a great city. I'll read those kind of newspapers. And every now and then I'll happen to catch Ellen on TV. She cheers me up. I like Ellen. And I know Ellen wouldn't agree with our previous series, You, Me, We, on sexuality. She has a whole different view of that. But I think, man, she's happier than most Christians I know. She's kind of contagious that way. And every now and then I, I listen to uh, one of those Bruno Mars songs that just makes me go, yeah, that's good. I like that. Let it go, Bruno. Not all his songs. Some of them make me happy. But happiness and joy are not always the same thing, right? We all want some happiness, but we must have joy. Joy is deeper. Joy is more complete. God wants to clothe us with joy. Right? It's written there in the passage. Joy is part of the whole overflow. The oil of joy instead of mourning. We don't want to promote a Christianity that is always sad and dealing with stress. We've got to have some joy. And sometimes I think people need a makeover. I, I really do. They, they need a makeover in their lives. You know those shows where people get, you know, brought in front of a panel, they're behind some glass, no one sees them, they're all laughing at them, and they look really bad. And uh, then they make them over, right? They give them new hairdo, new clothes, new cologne, and new shoes. And then they bring them out and they look stunning. I, I think that releasing the kingdom of heaven on earth means that we will have a makeover. That we will look attractive to God and to people through the words we have and the, the attitudes that we portray. Some of us might need to sign up for a makeover. Are you ready to release the kingdom of heaven through your life? I want to leave you with this thought. Are you ready to change the world? That's what this is coming down to. Releasing the kingdom of heaven on earth has an outcome, an overflow. Isaiah 61 verse 4, it says, They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. We're talking here about God's activity to restore humanity. And yes, there's an ultimate fulfillment of Jerusalem being the city of God. And God has amazing plans for Jerusalem. 
his son is returning to that city when he comes back. But I believe that God has plans for all cities. He wants the ruined places restored. So I'm going to invite our worship team to come up. and I want us to prepare our hearts for a challenge here this morning that will propel us to change the world. Changing the world is what the church does through the kingdom of heaven being released on earth. Changing the world is the overflow and the results of the gospel at work in our own community. By the way, I don't know if you know this, you're living in a city that has a very unique name. The name of our city comes from our twin city in Scotland. and The word Airdrie means the high places of the king. That's what it means. We've been given a name here that's very, very important in terms of kingdom destiny. We're to be the people who bring good to our city, who release the kingdom of heaven in this community. And what is God's design for where we live? What is it that the Lord wants to do right here that he won't do anywhere else? But he wants our people involved in releasing his kingdom right here on earth. Friends, it's a day of destiny for us. This vision that we have is bigger than each and every one of us. It's not something that we can do in our own strength. It requires each and every one of us stepping into the realm of the kingdom of heaven. And then it requires each and every one of us being changed by God, anointed by God, so that we can go out and release this kingdom to others. I want you to stand together. Let's stand, let's sing. Let's proclaim this great kingdom that we get to be part of which is open to all of us right here and right now.